Q presents the making of. Q presents the making of. <laughs> That's good. Cool. First one you're going to put your headphones on. Yeah, this is nice headphones, actually. There you go. Wow. <laughs> oh, really nice. <laughs> they're comfy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they feel kind of futuristic. To really? get down with these, yeah. I don't know. I just I hate these, the ones that have got the little puff, you know, the little puffy bit around your ear. Oh right, yeah. These feel like they, sit, have they yeah. sit on top of them. I used to have an afro, so I wasn't able to wear these headphones because it used to give me like a dent in the middle of my head. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I kind of grew fearful of them, but now I like them. Yeah, good. Okay, there you go. So we got a nice. We got we're happy with our headphones. We're happy with our spot. So what, basically, what I do is just talk about your life and yeah. your music. It's like a normal interview, basically. There's, n- th- there's nothing there's no surprise except there's one little surprise at the end but that's okay, okay. Cool. we'll be used to it oh okay it's nothing too scary right. I was sat up on the train staring out the window at the rain I heard this little lady must have felt the pain Ask her mum if the blazing sun had ever shine again I felt ashamed, feel the same, not a mother though Nah, started to laugh, got a son involved I mentioned the past like a running joke And told her without all the rain, there's no sun in growth She presents the making of Q presents the making of Q presents the making of Hello, I'm Ted Kessler and this is Q presents the making of a weekly podcast brought to you by the world's greatest music magazine, Q. Each week we meet up with a famous musician and ask them to take us on a journey through their lives and music. We ask the big questions. Who are they? Where does their music come from? And what are they all about? Let's find out. My guest this week is Lord Carner, the 24-year-old rapper from South London whose first album, Yesterday's Gone, was nominated for a Mercury Prize in 2017. His new album is called Not Waving But Drowning, and that's out in April. The best description that I've read so far of both Loyal and his album comes from the poet, Benjamin Zephaniah, who has written a biography to accompany Not Waving But Drowning. This is what Benjamin had to say. Laurel's forthcoming new album gives us yet more evidence that he has what rappers call flow. But he hasn't lost any of his storytelling qualities. Yes, the boy can rap, but a rapper with the sensitivity of a true poet, the observational skills of a novelist, and the warmth of your best friend. I think that just about sums it up. Loyal, how are you? Yeah, very well. Uh, how did you get Benjamin Zephaniah to write all those nice things about you for your biography? Um, well, weirdly enough, it actually came about, like, he's been my hero for a long time. And I was, I was put together with him by um, The Independent. Uh, they wanted right. us to like do a, a have a conversation for for the, for the internet for YouTube whatever, and I got talking to him off camera and kind of away from everyone else and expressed how important he was to me and we we, we got a little bit I guess we kind of grew close because if anyone says that they're a massive fan of yours and kind of without you there is no them. Um, they get excited and uh, I really wanted to get him on a date with my mum so at first that was my <laughs> that was my plan was to just kind of butter him up to get him involved in my mum's life. And instead, we just we yeah we we hit it off, and yeah, I didn't want to do a biography because I find him quite weird, um, yeah. and so I figured he was the only person I'd feel comfortable with doing it, and he was up for it. So, did he go on a date with your mum though? No, he did in a video, but he didn't. There was no second date, which was a shame. Um, right, yeah. But I was hopeful. Oh, for the next but he's one. Not, but now you're on a date basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now, so there's a bromance definitely that's formed. But yeah, just having that, like, so he kind of, I suppose, wrote in in bio, biographical sense, I wrote a, a slight review of the album. And his words about it, yeah, mean enough that I don't have to worry if it gets really bad reviews. At least I had, I've had that one yeah. decent one from my hero, you know? Yeah, that's good. The main man says yeah, yeah, yeah. it. How do you feel generally <coughs> before a record comes out? Well, this is your second album. Yeah, so yeah, how, yeah. Do you, how do you feel? Do you nervous, excited? Yeah, scared, or? nervous. I think it's good to be scared and nervous because it means that you've done, hopefully done something that you're unsure of. Because mm. if you're sure of it, it would probably be, I don't know, it wouldn't have been a challenge for you or you wouldn't be pushing yourself. But yeah, I'm yeah, kind of, kind of bricking it. To be honest, <laughs> is it what what worries you about the reception? Is it critics or yeah, people? Like both, Every, everything you know, just people hearing it. Um, you know, because critics are people as well. At the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they started off, yeah, as people kind anyway. of, yeah, yeah, before they grew tentacles. They and, grew in yeah, something else. Yeah. Devils on their shoulder. Correct. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's just because it, it's it's personal to me. These are stories that mean a lot to me, like much like the first album. And mm. for people to hear them means that. You know, it's, it's not, they're not just, I'm not just giving my, like, you know, a party song up for scrutiny. I'm giving, like, a story about my mum up for scrutiny. You know, mm. my mum's on it, and I wouldn't want people to say horrible things about her, so that kind of <laughs> stuff scares me, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll get onto your album in in a moment, but <coughs> let's just start right at the back at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Lord Carner's not your real name, is it? No, no, no. It's Benjamin Coyle Lana. 
and so it's a spoonerism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great word, that, isn't it? Spoonerism. Yeah, 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 it is. It is a spoonerism. Why did you do that? Because <clears throat> um, I'm dyslexic, um, right. and growing up, dyslexic is you know, kind of rubbish at school, and everyone <laughs> takes the piss out of you, really. And um, I used to call myself Law Kana by accident, um, and I, I kind of, I suppose, it was a happy accident because when I was trying to decide what to call myself when I was putting music out, my mum was like, "Why don't you just say Law Kana?" Because you know, you, you used to do it. And you were embarrassed about it, so it's about kind of claiming it, you know. And I suppose the whole idea is that because I was trying to claim being dyslexic, also that it made sense to fit. So yeah, yeah. And you grew up in Croydon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I grew so I grew up in well, I grew up in West Norwood, and I moved to Croydon. Um, so I kind of all around Strip, Stretton, Brixton, that, that kind of whole area of South was where I was brought up. And then when I was like fourteen, I got into a secondary school in Croydon, and we moved out so I could go there. Right. And what's your um, what was your family background like? Um, so I grew up with my mum so my, my dad left when I was very young my biological father yeah. and so I grew up with my mum and it was just me and my mum for quite a while and then my stepdad came in um, and kind of saved the day yeah. um, and then it was me my mum my brother uh, my little brother my half brother but my brother and my dad yeah, um, yeah and we bounced around uh, all over south which is cool a lot of your music sort of uh, addresses what mm. sort of your your history, your, your yeah, family, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. and you're quite a sentimental person. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I, I suppose I, I I've always really written music for myself for mm. no other reason than just because I've always done it. So I don't know when when people started listening to it, I didn't know what else to do. So when everyone was like, "Oh, you need to put another song out," and I was like, oh, "Okay," but it'll probably just be another song about I don't know my dad or um, my family or whatever. Because yeah, my dad passed away when I was um, young; he died very suddenly, and so I wrote a lot of music about that just because. Um, I don't know. I was trying to. I was trying to make sense of it in my head, and mm. I didn't have many people to talk to about it. I was trying to hold it together for everyone else. So, at first, before I met anyone in, in terms of like a counselor or whatever, the the my my my, my book was my counsel, you know. So I'd write mm. to it and make sense of what was happening, getting it out of my head. Mm. When you say your book, that means you're in notepad. So my rhyme book. So yeah, is, yeah. is that your rhyme book? Obviously. Uh, so is that <laughs> is that how you write? Because I was thinking, I was wondering yeah. how you write. Because yeah. Does it come before the music? Do no. you have like loads of pages um, of words? No, I do. I do have a lot of. I, I I still write a bit of poetry, but I write mainly. Um, I kind of I kind of start songs. I've kind of learnt to start writing um, a rhyme or you know like a beginning of a, of a verse and and then leave it and wait until I'm in a room with people who um, I kind of feel the same uh, or make a piece of music or hear a piece of music that kind of evokes the same feeling that I had when I was writing it and then finish it off. Then so they so they are together. Because it's mm. difficult. I've, you know, I've, I used to write a lot of stuff at the time when I felt it, um, and then I would try and put it onto a beat later on, or in, be in the studio and try and make it fit. And it doesn't feel right to make it fit. So, if I write it at the time, usually I try and write it either when it's happening, or when I'm hearing it for the first, like when I'm hearing the music for the first time, or creating the music for the first time. You know. Mm. Yeah. When did music first start making an impact upon mm. you? So when you were young. Well, I was tiny, man. Uh, it was it was just big in my house. You know, my mum, uh, my mum and dad. Um, actually, my dad has millions of Q. We had millions of Q magazines. It was like the big yeah. thing in his house. Um, That's why we're still working there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but they were, they were, they were, they were everywhere. Um, and so, even so, when after like, after he passed it, they were kind of there was something that I, I I was given. It was just a lot of music magazines, and it was funny to look through because all the people on the covers and you know inside were all the people I was listening to, but I didn't know. So it was it was it was helpful for me to to kind of put names to 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 to, to, to songs, you know. Is it a guidebook? Um, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, basically, it kind of became that for me. So, but I grew up around stuff that you wouldn't expect um, in terms of my family. So it was, it was like oh, not not expect, but it was like David Bowie, Leonard Cohen, um, then some James Brown, Parliament Funk, like kind of every everything and any and anything Coltrane. Um, but then at the same time, I went off and found hip hop. That was kind of my rebellion, but also my part of the conversation. So mm -hmm. they're playing me. Um, Bob Dylan, that's a storyteller. I look for a storyteller in my own right, someone like Most Deaf, and my dad would say, I can see the the similarities here. And can you? And uh, Yeah, I don't know. And he was heavy into punk, and hip-hop was like the new punk. So, right. yeah, I guess we uh, we kind of, we agreed on music, but had different tastes, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the same taste. Yeah. And um, you were diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as dyslexia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, was at the same. Was it yeah. the same was sort it of like time? How old were you? Like seven or something when I was I was wow. young, maybe a bit younger. But I just I was like kind of troubled, not troubled kid, but like every kid's troubled. You know what I mean, but I, mm. I I just was getting a lot of trouble. I was very hot headed and getting into fights and stuff. But wasn't like a aggressive kid or a malicious kid, uh, and I wasn't nasty. You know what I mean, I was just kind of mischievous. And I think 
what being diagnosed with ADHD didn't really help much but what helped was my mum is a teacher of children with special educational needs and so she was able to help me understand what ADHD was and what would work for me can you explain to me what it is yeah 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 yeah, easily so you think about your brain uh, it has things like synapses so for the people who can't see I'm putting my two fingers together (laughs) you think of your fingers on one hand as um um synapses and on the other hand others and then there's like a gap between them so when you have a thought the thought travels from one to the other yeah but with an adhd brain the which is called a neurodiverse brain as opposed to a neurotypical brain the gap is just a little bit bigger so when you have this thought and it's supposed to travel through this little gap and go to the other synapse it um it splits into four eight twelve sixteen a million until you're thinking about loads of things when really you're supposed to be thinking about one thing um so oh, it's difficult and so kind of the one one big thing about it that really helped me was any physical activity but cooking was a big one because if you think that you're getting distracted by something it kind of gets it kind of I don't know takes you back into the same thing it's like a never ending cycle so if something's on fire over there you put it out and then something's got to be you know fried over here then you've got to put something in the oven there's enough to distract you that it distracts it doesn't distract from the situation. So, so if you're multitasking, basically, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the idea. Mo- yeah, multitasking is, is basically what's happening at all times in my head. So <laughs> it's good to have something that, that requires multitasking, you know. But like, it's like mind. It's like very difficult to find mindfulness in that, you know. And so sport, football was always a big thing for me because it was physical, and I'd you know spend an hour and wouldn't have thought of anything, and that was like for me it was gold dust, you know, to have a time where I wasn't thinking. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and you you opened a cooking school mm-hmm. for. Yeah, so I run a cooking school. It's called Chili Con Carne. Classic. It's awful name. It is such an awful name. It, it, my mum came up with the name, much like Lil Carne, and it kind of stuck at the beginning. I was like, yeah, I call it Chili Con Carne. Why not? And then I was like, but when it go, when it if it blows up, I'm going to change it. And then it kind of got a bit of a name for itself, and it's too late to change it now. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just for kids with ADHD between the ages of 14 to 16. Um, and yeah, it's me teaching um, with a friend of mine called Mikey, and we get like guest chefs to come in and like proper chefs. Where is this? Um, we used to do it in Old Street because it was the only kitchen we have, but now we're hoping to do it in the Google um, building, right? Because they've got a big, beautiful kitchen that we can have for free. So yeah, that's good. That's the hope. Because like, I'm, I've been funding it myself, and as much as you know, I'm happy to do it um, as long as I can afford to. It, it it limits it a little bit because I can only afford so much, you know. And a lot of our funding fell through every time we've tried to do it, so it's always falling on me, which is cool. But there's more that the kids could do if we if we were doing things for free and other people are investing in it then we would make it, the opportunities for them would grow you know yeah uh, what's your signature dish um, it changes all the time um, God, I'm like, starving cook yeah. me something up Lord. do you know what I would make right now actually I'm getting really good at um, like Asian foods I'm not very good at it but my missus is kind of uh, she's the one who's organised with the spices and stuff and mm-hmm. there's a thing called a pad kraprao which is like um, it's like a, I think it's a Thai dish um, it's just like it's like noodles chilli and Thai basil Basically, I've had it I love it so good yeah 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 <laughs> I'm good at that Okay, I got that yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, really in the mood. Q presents the making of. Okay, so let's go back to your youth now. Yes. Just get us off the food for some <laughs> Um so What was school like? Because you went to the Brit school, but yeah, later yeah, on, yeah. we'll get to that. But what was school like pre-Brit school? Um, it was cool. It was difficult. I actually got I got in on a on a scholarship to a private school, um, which was weird. And it was it was important for my mum for me to go there because um, she w- was worried about the way that because ADHD was not a new thing but it was relatively new at the time and for it to be understood and and uh, handled with care she yeah. wanted me to go to a place that kind of was of its sort educationally so I went there for academic um, purposes really I suppose because you were a smart cookie yeah I, I mean I wasn't like I wasn't I wasn't stupid do you know what I mean but my mum my mum was worried because I was treated like I was stupid at school right. if you're treated like you're stupid you will be stupid do you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's very much you know if it's like there's the, the famous thing that Einstein said that if you have like an elephant uh, a monkey and a fish in a classroom and you say climb the tree then the monkey will be seen to be the best in the class, right? But it's not because the elephant and the fish are stupid or rubbish. They just can't do that one thing. Yeah. And so that was the importance for me, was being at a place where I was understood. But it was kind of weird because the private school is a weird place and um, I didn't kind of feel like I fitted there, you know, because I was yeah. there on a scholarship and I was seen as like the poor boy. But it was whatever. But it was it was cool. I felt like I academically I grew and education and I, I pushed myself. I was really in, into theology and philosophy. And I wish I could have done it at A level, but I didn't. It wasn't an option at the Brit school. Right. So how long were you at the private school for? I was there for three years, from year seven till year nine. Okay. And I left and went to the Brit school. And why the Brit school? Were you, um, were you spotted as doing something? No, no, no. Do you know what it was? It was just. Uh, it was again. It was the same thing as I. 
I was fascinated by. I didn't so much want to be a movie star, but I was fascinated by theatre and by words. And my, you know, my my favourite subject at at school was um, was English. Other than I used to also really like biology, but English was something I latched onto in English language, and I developed this deep love for language because it was the one place where my dyslexia wasn't um, in question. So there was no like uh, crosses out on my bad grammar or wrong spelling or putting apostrophes, and you know it was all all it didn't matter. And so when I when I started writing poetry and looking at words I then found guys like Shakespeare and Chekhov and found out about theatre and mm. so I don't know I went there I was I went there to study um, acting well not acting but the, the arts the theatrical arts yeah. um, and so I don't know it, it, it again was like another step to me being in a place where I could be understood do you know what I mean because I was a bit weird and um, I was kind of loud and I don't know I was mischievous and wanted to be active and so going to a place surrounded by people who wanted to study theatre made at the time, made perfect sense. Did it feel good? Were you happy there? Yeah, do you know what? It, it, I'm very, very, very close with the head teacher there now. Um, and he used to be my, um, at the time, he was just my theatre teacher. He was like the head of theatre. And um, I don't know, because I'm not really a theatre kid. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I don't think I'm that, like, uh, I, I don't know, what's the, extroverted, um, maybe slightly. But he really understood my um, ADHD and he was one of the first people to go, um, he said to my mum because he knew she was an expert at our first um, parents even he said look I have no idea what to do with your son because he's impossible to deal with no. but I want to I want to understand and so he he invested a lot of time in understanding what ADHD is um, and since then they now have there's like two ADHD specialists who teach there I go back my mum goes back so he really was like the catalyst for change there and in my life um, he's called Stuart Warden okay. um, um, so shout out to him. Big up to yeah. Okay. Also big up to Emma Baggett because she helped me down there as well. Yeah. <laughs> and how does your ADHD now manifest, manifest itself? Um, it's just like it's just a busy brain, man. I need to be active. I think it's just you know you can overthink things. These are things that everyone has, you know. But yeah. just I'm more susceptible to them. You know, if I don't sleep that well, or or if I haven't eaten well, then these things start to creep up on me. But it's you know it's just about having loads of thoughts. Everyone has loads of thoughts, and your thoughts don't really mean anything. They just kind of come and go. But in, with ADHD, they're more intense just because they like they synapses just popping. Mm. And so it's it's been it's just about working on. You know, being in control and and knowing what what matters and what doesn't, and usually doesn't nothing really matters. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm I'm quite emotional, I suppose. Um, impulsive, active. Need to do loads of exercise and run around. I drive my missus up the wall. But these are all really important things. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, all yeah. those things that I've I feel I feel you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, appreciate I feel it. That yeah, pain, yeah, 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 in it. And I haven't it. got it. Yeah, in it. But yeah, yeah. But, but it's the thing is, I think it's very human. You know, uh, when I was younger, I used to have to take tablets for them at school because I wasn't allowed to be there if I didn't have them. And I'm very feel very strongly against them now, um, because it, it it removes it removed my ADHD. But then I wasn't myself, so I wasn't I'm not that funny anyways. But I wasn't funny at all. You know, I wasn't um, talkative. I wasn't interested in the arts or going to going to galleries. I had no interest in anything creative. And I realised that ADHD was then like the biggest chunk of me. So it was like removing half my brain. So then I felt like it was more about growing into it as opposed to growing out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exercise is very important. Though. Yeah, 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 massively so. You're just like for everyone, it is. You know, I yeah. just think it, ADHD is just one of those things where it's like you know the film. We've seen the film Limitless. Yes, it's like that. I mean, so it, it, yeah. yeah, it's like that. So it is well, there's all this possibility, but you have to ch- channel it in the right way. You know, it's yeah. like having a superpower. But you know, like <laughs> Peter Parker said, great power comes great responsibility. So, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Being at the Ritzker, one of the best things about it was you had all these friends in different fields of creativity than you right mm. so I, I was i was interested in writing plays and writing films and being in plays and um tv shows and whatever and theatrical arts and then but i had this love of words and poetry always and so when i started hanging out with my mates i was i used to write rhymes and used to rap and whatever but i didn't think about doing it as a career because it's impossible to be from the uk and be a rapper i mean it just doesn't happen mm. um and so I don't know, I had friends who had studied music and they'd be like, yo, I've got some beats, you should come round. And I ended up kind of quickly becoming one of the people who was okay at rapping at school. And I, I, I think that was the, the the thing that made me feel like I could do it, not not professionally, but just for fun, was being around people and holding my own. You what know? sort of year is this? Um, this would have been like year nine, year eight, How old year, year ten. I, 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 what, what years in age? Like 14, yeah. 14, 15. And what year in, that's, that's about 2000 and something. Yeah, oh yeah, so that is, something yeah, around, around that. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it is around that. Oh, but yeah, but there are there were rappers though, yeah, yeah. British rappers. Yeah, like I mean, Roots it was, Maneuver, yeah, yeah, Roots, Roots, Maneuver, yeah, exactly. And these are all people I was big fans of. But yeah. I think I don't know. I wasn't really. I, I guess it was when I started hearing music like that that I became hip to 
being able to do it myself. So mm. I started listening to Grime, and then through Grime, I found like guys like Skinny Man and Jess, who were like UK hip hop. They were on mm. Channel U, which was a TV program, like a channel back mm. uh, back when I was younger. And then through them, I find Roots Maneuver, and it was when I started hearing that that I heard this UK voice, but doing something that for me before was so American, you know. Yeah. Um, and even the UK guys I'd heard before were kind of having had an American twang, but he was so British that I felt, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And around the same time, my friends at school were doing it, and it felt it felt tangible, you know. And so you're at the Brit School, you're having quite a good time, you're yeah. learning some new stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you decide you're going to become a musician. What was the big event? So yeah, I just started recording little bits and bobs where I could. I, I used to go to hang out with people a lot. But I don't know, I had everyone else used to kind of smoke a lot of weed and I didn't smoke weed. And so I, everyone used to kind of push me away and I, I was only really there for the music. And they were like, yeah, just after we smoke this. And I was like, oh, come on, just now, please. <laughs> so I used to end up going home, you know, quite late, passively buzzing. And then come back the next week and go, hey, can we not smoke this time? And can we just make the music? Because I really want to make a tune this time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So did you actually actively sack off the Brits to do music or what? No, 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 no. So I was there for for four years studying, um, studying theatre. And I loved it just because it was a passion of mine, you know, and it was right. one of the few times I studied something I was into that I didn't get tired of it. Um, but yeah, music was just something I did for fun. And then that music then became my passion because um, theatre became my my study, you know. Right. So if you're studying something, you don't want to go home and keep studying it. You've got homework to do. So you leave that, pick up some beats or whatever and start writing. And so then music was like the thing I did as a release from another creative art, you know? Mm. But they kind of informed each other because I was fascinated with political speeches and texts and looked into Malcolm X at school and then I started writing about Malcolm X, but not for school, just for, for rhymes, you know? And so when did you um, sort of start recording songs properly? Um, properly? Mm. I don't even know if I'm still recording songs properly. No, um, sweet. Um, I... Uh, I, I'm at a friend's house or like a guy I used to know at school he had all the equipment so I recorded just into a mic but then I became friends with this guy a lot of my friends at school kind of because I wasn't about the same stuff they were about kind of pushed me away because I was talking about my feelings I didn't want to smoke and I kind of was less about the party and more about the words and I kind of got ostracised for a little while which is cool and <laughs> I was used to it in my life um, um, and so I, I out of nowhere met this friend who's still a close friend of mine we kind of have gone in and out of being best friends because we make music together make money together which is impossible to do right. we work together um and he he was like yo i've got all these beats you've got all these raps let's work together and he had this studio in um in waterloo rebel Clef, who i make a lot of music with right. and i he had a whole studio set up in his bedroom and we just made tune after tune after tune after tune after tune um and just you know kind of became best friends really quickly yeah and what would you regard as the big breakthrough moment for you don't say you're still waiting for it. Yeah, I am. No, um, no, no, no. I think the big breakthrough, it wasn't like a breakthrough as in like, oh, now the industry know me. or I mean, no, 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 no. But, but, but for me, in terms in, in myself, was I that, meant creatively. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that I, I, we got asked to do a little tour, um, a support tour. Um, and I, my dad had just died and I needed to step up in my family and make money. And it had been the first time where something creative had been a question of like, to myself going, how are you going to, make something of this you know you have a response you have a mum to look after and a little brother and a house to support and eventually pay the mortgage for so what are you going to do now um and so we did this little tour and it was like you know 100 pounds a night and i was like cool that's 100 pounds a night it's more than i'd ever seen <laughs> and we split it down the middle 50 for me 50 for rebel cliff and i don't know from doing that and playing the shows, playing the songs and having one or two people go oh actually i've heard your song because we had one song out at the time or two songs out. it's like yeah i've heard your song on on soundcloud or whatever um that was when i started feeling like i un I understood or i saw the possibility of you know i still didn't think it would ever happen but i, I saw the connection between myself and other people when i opened up and it made me want to open up more i yeah. guess that's, that's one of the times I, I don't know there's never been like a defining moment where i thought this is it because you never know and yeah. it could change tomorrow so I, I, or even in myself but yeah, that then you went on tour with Cake Tempest. Is that yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, is that, yeah. That's not the tour we're talking about. No, no, no. But that that, that, that was a defining moment. I thought. I tell you what, actually, that that wasn't the tour I was on about. But that probably was was the moment where I realised that I was, I, I don't know, that maybe I I could push myself ly lyrically and 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 had maybe like a a responsibility to to sum up my to my my inner feelings, you know? Because she was like to me, look, what did you grow up on? This, 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 and this. And I, uh, she was like, yeah, same. I grew up on all those same rappers, but when I write, I write. I don't want to be like them. I want to be inspired by them. 
and that's what I began to feel like. You know, is it when I heard an incredible you know, rap song where the guy um, sums up all of his anger and disappointment and you know injustice, I found it beautiful. But it didn't make me want to go do the same thing. It made me want to do sum up my anger, my frustration, and, and my injustice, which is a different injustice. Mm. And I think she really taught me that. You know, helped me kind of see that my story was the important story. Yes, yeah, watching her live. Uh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the early days you could really see that yeah, she was yeah. doing something that was recognisable but different as yeah, well yeah, yeah. and I think felt yeah. honest exactly exactly she yeah I, 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 all, on all my support tours I, I just was studying the art really I was very quiet which is surprising for me and I just listened and watched and I watched every show we, we go away for like seven or eight days and every night I'd be in the crowd watching 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 and then I get out and I kind of by the end of the tour I'd be just doing their set before they got to do it so I'm like wow I can't believe it that like if they did a poem I'd break it down for a poem and then, do you know what I mean so before you knew it Kate was like yo um, <laughs> can you not do the poem thing at the end because that's my thing I was like yeah fair sorry and then on my my latest tour I brought this guy called Malik out uh, Malik MC who's my guy good friend of mine incredible rapper and he did the same thing to me and then oh, we played a show in Birmingham and I went out stage and basically everything I did word for word he'd already done and I, <laughs> they just weren't impressed <laughs> So um, tell me about building your first album, Your Stay's Gone. How did that Yeah, how did you know, it look, beautifully, it kind of came about, not by accident, but without me really thinking about it. Um, I, I'd made quite a few songs in, in, in the kind of two years that I'd had away from uni when I dropped out of uni. and um, when Ooh, I ch- Sorry, we missed that then. Oh, I yeah, know, yeah. I didn't know you dropped out of uni. Yeah, I did, I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, um, Which I, uni? I went to Central St. Martins. And okay. it, was a, it was a drama school. It was called Drama Centre. Right. And it was fairly prestigious. Um, and I didn't know kind of how prestigious it was at the time. But everyone from my school who was studying theatre applied for drama school. And um, I just applied because everyone else was doing it. And I was like, well, you know, I need something to do. Everyone's going to go to uni. I don't want to be left out just in Croydon. <laughs> so I applied and nobody really got anywhere with it. And no one got in to many places and a few people Except got here. Except the unusually gifted. And, uh, yeah, and then weirdly, I got in. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, yeah, the weird guy. Um, and but it was like something crazy like 10, 20,000 people apply for this school and there's like 20 spaces and there's like 10 or even less maybe but it's like 4 or 5 girls 4 or 5 boys or like 10 boys 10 girls and so I applied and thought nothing of it and then got in and went there and for a year it was incredible but it was very particular it was it, it was like if I wanted to do this thing for the rest of my life this was the place to be it was like being at a football academy do you know what I mean where mm-hmm. you go and if you want to play football and be in the England team this is where you're going to be forever so you can't you can't have any other hobbies or side interests or anything else, and that was the thing that affected me. Um, and so my dad died at the end of my first year there, and I dropped out. And I kind of was already you know not that happy there, but I had to be there still, and I didn't have as much responsibility. But as soon as he died, I was like, I can't spend money, I have to make money, and so right. that was why I, I dropped out. So then, so then you building yeah. your stays gone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that kind of was around that time, I suppose. I was kind of making it without realizing I was making it. I was really just spent a lot of time with my friend Rebel Clef and putting out everything that I felt I go to his house and it became like a second home to me and I go to his um it goes to be sitting in his bedroom and maybe we'd go out and then we'd come back and we'd be a bit drunk and we'd you know think of some ideas and talk about what we'd say if we won awards or you know what we'd do for our big live show or whatever and then um, we'd rehearse everything in this little bedroom um and that was yeah that's when I guess we started putting it together so that was pretty much put together in his room Right, um, and also in my room, and then other various rooms, and all the other <laughs> producers I was working with. So the guy called Quez, right? Yeah, I spent a lot of time with him, and he, um, he, yeah, he was kind of another person who took me under under my wing, and he was m- the first time I felt professional because me and Chris was in the bedroom, and Quez had a studio set up, kind of in his bedroom still, but it was kind of a professional bedroom, <laughs> um, or like a, like a second bedroom, you know, like the spare room. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it just it came about really, really nicely. It came about like. I, I, it was like I spent a year made a tiny bit of money and then with that money I was able to survive while I made this album and it was wicked and it comes out and everyone has an, an opinion on you yeah and yeah, how does yeah. that feel to have people have assumptions it's about pe- you petrifying man petrifying I put a tiny EP before that called A Little Late and that was cool um, but it was like four or five tunes and I didn't feel like that was enough to tell a whole story what was nice about the first album is there was no like particular singles for it. It wasn't like we have to put singles out for it. We put tunes out before, but it wasn't like a single-driven thing. So when I put the album out, it really was a body of work. And so I was excited to see what people said about the whole thing. But I was nervous. Um, and being a UK rapper, um, I wasn't expecting much from America. And there was, there's been some cool stuff in America. Some people from America didn't get it. They were like, yo... He's got no emotion in his voice, and he doesn't sound like he cares. <laughs> I'm English, yeah, that's and, why. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, come on, man. I'm just talking, talking the Queen's language over here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it was, um, 
it was it was intense, incredible but intense because I was happy with it anyways. And so being happy with it is cool until you go, oh, if I'm happy with it and other people aren't, does that make me weird or wrong or, you know? It was a, it was a kind of a daunting yeah. period. Yeah. But you got nominated for awards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My 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 my, uh, my old teacher used to say to me, awards mean everything and they mean nothing. Um and like to the person who wins it they mean everything and to everyone else in the room while you're talking, they don't care. Um but for me, just being part of the conversation was always the biggest bit. Mm. Um and so like just to be at the Mercury, it was me there. That's where I met my missus as well, which is pretty like that was the big That, that night. That was my prize, yeah. You met that yeah, night, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I'm very used to meeting people in places like that that don't not say I'm not saying they don't have much substance, but they don't they're, they're not really offering much you know, so what do you do? It's like, oh, you know, working this, I do a bit, bit of PR or advertising. It's like, oh, cool, but it doesn't like impress me. And I, I've kind of met many people in this kind of vacuous industry. And then I was like to her, what do you do? Um, in passing, and she was like, I'm a teacher. And I was like, why are you a teacher? <laughs> and that is a story for another time. But you can no, see no, that. it's not necessarily a time. But but, but we time. yeah, but we've Let's spoken every now. we've spoken every day since. Do you oh. know what I mean, and we live together now, and life is fantastic. But oh, but but sweet. but yeah, it was. Uh, but being there that day was it was just nice to be in the conversation. It was the first time ever that I was like, oh man, I'm in this conversation. I was like, Sanford's here. What? Just stores he's here. And I'm here. You know? <laughs> it's cool, man. I think even Ed Sheeran was nominated that year. So yeah. even the heavy hitters were there. She's a teacher of what? Uh, she t- she's um, head of um, psychology and sociology. She's a big she's, teacher. She's a genius. Yeah. yeah. yeah she, so that um, keeps you busy. That yeah, keeps your mind, it does, your it does. ADHD mind. It does, it yeah. does. Well, yeah, she kind of, she's, yeah, she's just, she's had me reading the Communist Manifesto recently, actually, which is cool. <laughs> Intense. I've read it and reread it and read it and reread it. Why did she want you to read that? Because it's what she was teaching. It's just because she was what she was teaching. She, okay. she had it on her when we first met. She had it on her shelf, and I was like, "What's that?" And she was like, "Do you really want to know what that is?" And I was like, okay. well, "Maybe." <laughs> so I read it, and then was like, "Okay, maybe I need to read this again." Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, she kind of has blown my mind in 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 it. But I just think my my mum is a teacher as well, obviously, you know, and I have mm. this cooking school, so. It was only going to make sense that I went out with someone who's basically my mum. Yeah, Freud would <laughs> have a field day with something like that. Oh, so I'm told now that I'm out with a <laughs> psychology teacher. <laughs> Q presents the making of. Q presents the making of. <laughs> That's good. Let's now talk about the next album, the second album, yeah, the yeah, one yeah, we're yeah. all waiting for. Yeah, Not yeah, waiting yeah. but draining. Yeah, man. Where did the title come from? Because um, it's quite yeah, a bleak title. Yeah, yeah it, is, it. it is. It's, um, it was a poem... So my granddad used to write poetry. And so my first album was kind of loosely based off my dad's album that he made before he passed away. And this second album, um, by you know purely by accident, became inspired by a poetry book I found. When, when my grandfather passed away, there was a poetry book by his bedside. And it was like late night ramblings and thoughts he had. And he would kind of would borrow ideas from other po- poetry. And also because there was no iPhone then, he couldn't just put it in his notes. It was like he, if he heard a poem, he'd re- write it down and save it so he could look at it again. And there was this poem, and on in one of the lines, it was like, is he waving or is he drowning? And I was so, like, kind of, I related to it so heavy, and I was thinking, my, my granddad wrote that, what does it mean? And so I Googled it a time later, because I can Google things, I like <laughs> my granddad. And um, it turned out to be um, in reference to a Stevie Smith poem um, mm-hmm. called Not Waving But Drowning. And I knew a Stevie Smith, and my granddad had recited me Stevie Smith poems before, and they're quite bleak and mm-hmm. kind of sometimes kind of like darkly comic. But this one particular poem was about a guy who was crying wolf, and one day he's at the seaside and he's looking out, he's he's out at the ocean, he's way out and all his friends are on the beach, or kind of a few of them in the water but kind of closer and he's waving, 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 waving and they, they go and look at him um, kind of thinking that he's a dog's bollocks and he, he's, he's he's the one, he's, he's, he's got, he's got he's, he's the one who's made it to the top and he's the one showing off because he thinks he's the best when really he's going, yo, I'm the furthest out and I can't get back on my own, I'm stuck, can you save me? And I related to it because I, I think, you know, from finding some small, moderate success, yeah. tiny success, really, in the grand scheme of success in music um, with my first album, people started looking at me like that, going like, like I was going, look at me in my new house with my girlfriend, you know, my, my flashy bike, do you know what I mean? But, but really, um, I, you know, I've, I've got like two houses, two mortgages, my mum's my own, my little brother's got to go to uni, I've got to pay that. I've also got to raise, like, help raise my brother and be a big man for him. You know, I have to keep my, my girlfriend safe when, when there's a noise downstairs, I go downstairs. Do you know I mean, I've almost got jumped the other day. Do you know what I mean? Like, things happen all the time, you know, mm. just because you are you make a little bit of pee or, or you find a small bit of success, you know, it's all relative, you know. Yeah. Like, friends of mine have had before, like, yo, you've got the money now. It's like, well, no, I don't, because for your flight to come to this country to play this show, I'm paying for that, do you know what I mean? So, and yeah. then think of all the other eight people who are coming with us, you know? Yeah. And then afterwards, everyone wants beers and I've got to get the beers, you know? <laughs> it, yeah, it's just, it, it was interesting because it's all relative. 
Um, and as much as your your pleasures grow, your stress grows. Biggie Small said. Yeah, I was, about to, yeah. I was, I was yeah, waiting yeah. for the moment. More I money, say more problems. Just say it. I did say it again. It. Just say no, it. You did it again. More money, more problems. Ah. <laughs> Ah, oh, it's annoying. Anyway, never mind. Yeah. Same, right, we're on the right, right wavelength, though. <laughs> well, I mean, you teed it up. I just uh, didn't. Sorry, I yeah, did, okay. I did. I just, it's like I threw it up and then hit it myself. It's, yeah. it's evil, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so the album starts off with a letter to your mum, did Jing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, why did you want to tell her that you still loved her, even though she obviously yeah, knows yeah, yeah. that you love her? Because it was when, do you know what, I wrote that, that was like kind of towards when, when the album was kind of coming together and there was a few things I felt were missing and it was actually when I was moving out of my house and I'd moved out already because my girlfriend was living somewhere else already and I was there all the time but I kind of moved out without really moving out do you know what I mean and I didn't get to do it for uni because everything with my dad and so it was it was me actually going and I knew when I when I went I'd be gone for good do you know what I mean yeah um, and so I don't know it was it was just everything that was happening all the time all the time we were moving into this new place and I was packing up bags and every day I went to do something else all I could think about was I'm moving out and I'm going to miss my mum and the day came and I cried a lot. She cried a lot. My girlfriend cried a lot because we were both living at my mum's at this time in the end. And I don't know, I, like as much as I could express it to her, I, I felt like because of the role I'd taken in the house, sometimes I couldn't say everything I wanted to say because I had to think about how it would upset her. I couldn't just be a little boy going, Mum, I'm going to miss you. I had to kind of be like, yo, my mum, cool, don't worry. <laughs> and are you okay, you know? And yeah. so for me, it was something to say to her to, to put it down just so she had it. It really wasn't for the album. It was really more for her because I wanted her to have it and I had the idea of writing it and then her responding to me on it um, all in one song and then me you know when I'm f- like 40, 50 years old and I've got kids I can play it to them and go yeah this is what when I was leaving which you will do one day this is what I said to your nan and this is what your nan said to me now write me a song yeah yeah now I've written it better be good <laughs> oh for fuck's sake I'm a thing <laughs> <laughs> are you going to swear just then? no are you going to swear? No. You're me telling everyone it's because I swear at you. That's wicked. You did start it, though. No, I didn't. Who started it? You, you, start... you schmoo. The only reason I swear is because yeah, you raised that, me and you that... swear. I do not. You do swear. I used to not swear for ages and then eventually you said to me, Mum, it's OK to swear, you know. That's so true. I never used to swear around you. You write quite a lot of songs to people, don't you? That's, yeah. Is this your way of... Communicating with them or yeah, do you communicate yeah. with them quite a lot anyway, well, I imagine? Because I, I have ADHD, I say the wrong thing a lot. Oh, I'm very impulsive, right? And you're probably noticing from Not now. At all. But, but, I, but I worry that sometimes, as much as I can be kind of articulate, I, I can kind of, my impulse is the first thing I think. Then later on I go, did I really mean that? Or did I maybe want to say this instead? And for for a song, like, so there's a song later on, again, which I wrote to my friend Crispy, who's Rebel Clef. This is on my list. This yeah, is the yeah, qu- yeah, next yeah. thing we're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, well, Good. Well, let's pretend cool. it's natural. Carry on, yeah. Yeah, so he, um, so we, we fell out because he and me made music together, you know, and we were best friends. And then we became, went from best friends to guys who were, like, making money together, you know, working <laughs> together and sharing money. And then our workload was changing because I was doing things like this and going to radios and going to photo shoots and being in big fragrance campaigns and whatever <laughs> and he wasn't doing that and with that comes a different kind of money do you know what I mean and it, it then came a different kind of power and then it, it was very confusing he, he worked less I worked more I made more music he made less music and so in the end we, we had to sort it out is that my belly rumbling it is isn't it <laughs> um, and so basically we I don't know we, we'd, we'd kind of been touring so much spending so much time together but then off the road we weren't hanging out and I wanted to sort things out of him I didn't know what to say and I tried to talk to him many times and bottled it last minute or we got drunk and I'd gone to say it and then not said the right thing and so I sat down and I wrote this song one day in the studio um, it makes me quite sad thinking about it really but I, I wrote this song for him to say hey look um, I miss you I made more money than you but you're my best friend and I, you know I want you to be with me and I, you know I'll drag you as far with me as you can as I can but I need you to work hard as well and um, yeah I gave it to him um, and I wanted him to write something back and he didn't write anything today. No, <laughs> no, he didn't. He's heard it and he he appreciated it. And we did manage to make one song for the next album off the back of it. So I think it was still a, a minor success. And he'll still be coming on tour with me. And we've kind of rekindled our friendship, which is nice. And I've, I guess kind of put the stresses of the rat world behind us. <laughs> but maybe that's because you wrote the nice little song to him. Yeah, 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 I think so. But I do. That was what for my mum. It's what I've written songs for my missus when we've had arguments. You know, it's like, it's kind of my way of... It's also quite a cool thing to get, you know. It's yeah. like quite a cool thing to go, hey, 
Do you want a tune? <laughs> Here's a tune I wrote about you and you only. <laughs> well, uh, your your good friend Benjamin Zephaniah yes. wrote something else very nice about you. He said, mm. loyal is not bitter with people who have let him down, or the society that has let him down, but the combination of anger and love that's given his voice the perfect blend of strength and vulnerability. <sighs> Isn't that nice? Yeah, it's Do a you, lot to take that. It is a lot. It's, yeah, it's amazing Yeah, for him to say that. It's yeah. really yeah, too much. <laughs> Do you think society has let you down, though? That's what, yeah. one thing that, Okay. Um, Yes, I know. Um, I think the society has let, you know, kind of a, a generation down and a generation before mine down. But also, I think that there are there's opportunities now. I think it's more that society itself and you know the 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 innovation of um, young people who you know who are creating outlets for themselves is is one thing that ha- kind of is is a product of that mm. society. So if we hadn't been let down then we wouldn't have created things to get ourselves out of it and then, you know, we would be in maybe potentially even a worse position. But I think, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm around so many teachers, you know, I'm, 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 all the women I love the most are teachers, right? And 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 I see every day that they are being let down. Do you, do you know what I mean? And, and me coming from a school, you know, I had ADHD. I was very fortunate that I was supported by my mum. She wasn't my teacher. You know, when I was at school at first, if my mum didn't understand what, what was, what they were saying, quotation marks, wrong with me, nobody would have had any idea of how to help me and so i think you know the lack of um importance on um like um assistant teachers so my missus at the moment she's teaching there's a girl in her class and she can't read um without without a particular thing and so my missus sits next to her but then also has to teach 30 other kids because yeah. there's no one else in there and i think that's and that's society failing that kid and the rest of the class right so i've been in those classes you can be failed especially if you don't have enough money to go to private school or you're not lucky enough to fall into a catchment area so I mean, yeah, from that side, yes. But also, you know, I, I'm a touring artist and I go around Europe and now we might no longer, we are no longer going to be in part of Europe. It means I've got to get a visa for everywhere else. So. That's annoying. I've been yeah. let down. <laughs> yeah. I mean? We're all being let yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, you know, that's a, another story. But it's interesting. I was in Berlin doing like a little promo run, <laughs> but we, we, which is, you know, such a horrible yeah. word, but actually it was a lot of fun because I was in Berlin. Yeah. Um, but every interview I did was all about... Um, um, Why Brexit. the Brexit? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you must be annoyed about the Brexit, no? I was like, yeah, I am. And, uh, <laughs> over and over and over again. And I was kind of saying, yo, but I'm in London where, you know, I, I, everyone I'm around is a left-thinking, yeah. you know, they're not homophobic, they're not um, uh, racist. I mean, they're, they're not xenophobic. They're, they're just people who, who care about the betterment of, of our society. And I was lulled into a full sense of security like everyone else. Yeah. And here we are. And here we are. On the brink of annihilation. So you're only 24, as we've already established, which is annoying, but good for you. (laughs) Where do you want to go in your journey from that? I mean, do you would you like to write long form stuff, novels, plays? I'd love to write a play. Um, I'd love to have some kids one day. (laughs) I'd love to get a nice dog, maybe a poodle, (laughs) to follow my family tradition. I want to write. I want to continue to write. You know, I want to. I'd love for the next thing I do musically to be with, with, with with friends of mine, but completely. So my friend Jordan Rakai, I'm a big fan of. He's a good friend of mine. I'm a big fan of his. He's a big fan of mine. Um, we're, we're thinking about spending like a week or two just in a studio and seeing what comes out. But yeah, long form, I'd love to write a play, a, a, maybe a film. My little brother is heavy into films. How old and is he? He's 18 almost. Okay. And he will become a very successful director. And he's 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 changed his surname. He doesn't want to be Kolani. He wants to be something else. He doesn't want to be attached to me at all, yeah. which I think is cool. Fair dinkum, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but he's so intelligent, but has such a beautiful eye for it. Even the photos he takes on his phone are incredible. And I want to do some stuff with him. So maybe one day later down the line, I'll do that. Also, want to open a restaurant. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Why not? Chili con Shoot carne. my shot. Yeah. <laughs> not chili con carne. <laughs> We're coming to the end of yeah. this. But if push comes to shove, what's your favourite songs of all time? Your favourite three songs of all time? Mm. Of all time. Yeah. Um, um, my favourite album of all time is an album called B by a guy called Common and oh, the yes. intro of that um, I think is one of my favourite songs be- just because I, yeah I think just just because it, it reminds me of you know how I felt before I heard that album you know when I first heard that song and what was to come and then listening to it again after hearing that whole album and going jeez you know so that for me is, is a big song um, mm. Sound and Vision by David Bowie it's pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it reminds me of my dad a lot. I think my dad, it's a bit of a compliment to my dad, really, but he sound, like my, how my dad used to sing sounds so much like that song in particular of David Bowie. 
and I think it was a big inspiration when my dad said that. What did he play, your dad? Um, he just played play guitar. Play guitar. Play guitar. Play guitar. But he was just hev- so heavy into it. And his album is wicked, um, and I want to get it released at some point. Um, but yeah, it just he he was such a beautiful singer, and he, he was quite introspective that he's singing, which I think is the way I deliver yeah. my. I'm not I'm not an introspective person necessarily, but the way I deliver my words is the same way he did, because it was about him, you know, and it was kind of embarrassing to be. He was a big tall guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, what's the last one? I mean, like, there's a few other ones. There's Ice Cream by Wu Tang. Um, oh, yeah. Because it's me and my missus' song. Because we were in a, we were in a cab um, going somewhere when we first met. And she was like, put some tunes on. And I was like, yeah, cool. Would you want to hear some disco? Let's try to impress. <laughs> and I was flicking through out of the Shalimar or whatever. And she was like, no. And then she took the auxiliary cord and put in whatever she wanted to play. And the first song, like the song that was already playing on her phone was Ice Cream by Wu-Tang. And I was like, you know about Wu-Tang? She's like, I love Wu-Tang. And I was like, who's your favourite? And she was like, Ghostface Killer or Method Man. And I was like, same. <laughs> and yeah, there you go. We're still talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're still together. <laughs> and what about what you? What about your own favourite song? Uh, that, the song that you'd play, someone who's never heard you. Yeah. It's difficult, man. What I'd, did you play? Oh, I suppose your missus knew you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, she didn't. Re- oh, she knew a bit, bits and bobs, but kind of had re-listened to it. She, her favorite song of mine is "Son of Jean" because just that's because it's got my mum on it. But I think the song that I would play if you didn't know me would be that's out already. Would be maybe Florence, right? Um, which is about having a, like a little, like the little sister that I never had because it's the only thing that kept me going when I was upset about my dad. Um, and it, it, that's the song that kind of I suppose shows that as much as I'm a rapper. That's not a rap song, but it is a rap song. You know, what is a rap song? Yeah. And so that's the one that kind of freaks people out. Because I go, yeah, I'm a rapper. This is my song. And they go, wow, it's a bit soft though, isn't it? And I go, yeah, it is. I'm a bit soft. <laughs> that or Otolenghi, one of the new ones. Because I think it's it's, it's close to what how I feel right now. Q presents the making of. Because you've got two songs about chefs in your album, which mm. is perhaps a first, a rap first, I'd say. I hope so. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Big heroes of mine. Um um, Carlucho is the second one so Ottolenghi yeah. and Carlucho but yeah me and Ottolenghi Ottolenghi actually texted me yesterday your time did he? he's my boy yeah <laughs> yeah 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 we, we met through this but yeah 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 he um he um yeah I, was, I asked him a question about a soup in the gu- in his Guardian article and he was like yo let me know how it goes show me some pics but then I didn't make it because I was hungover so uh-huh. I need to, I need to so yeah I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> and why Carlucho? Um, Carlucho um, he my, my favourite kind of food cuisine is Italian food and I fell in love with Antonio Carluccio um, f- just because of his. He had a TV program called The Greedy Italians, yeah. a guy called Gennaro Contado. But th- like his philosophies kind of come through his cooking, right? He's like the Godfather, you know. Yeah. And this is a time when I didn't have a father figure, and I was I kind of was looking to kind of gangster movies as this kind of like for, for any kind of small pieces of wisdom. It was like rap and gangster movies, and then I found that actually the best place to find any father figure was in cooking shows because they were together, had a steady job. And were, I don't know, but just kind of, it was all about family and community, right? And then me and my girlfriend had this big argument. Um, and it was the same day that Carluccio died. And oh. I said to her, I can't lose you the same day that I lose him. And then I wrote the song, kind of about her, but also a bit about him. That's very sweet. Got her back. Is it in Goodfellas? I think it's in Goodfellas where they have, where they're in prison and they show you how to make a good tomato sauce. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they're chopping up the, the mm-hmm. garlic with mm-hmm. the, yeah, so there's a combination of yeah. gangster yeah, and yeah, yeah, cooking. Yeah, 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 that's it, gangster cooking. That's like the perfect. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so that's not quite the end of the show. I've got okay. one more thing okay, cool. to do. You're too young for smash hits, aren't you? Do you, miss, you no, I, and my mum my, my does. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mum told me about it too. Um, <laughs> so they used to have this thing called um, the biscuit tin. Yeah. And actually, what it was was just a way of asking people embarrassing and sort of silly questions. Yeah, yeah, but great. They, so they put them in and they pick up. But we haven't got the biscuit tin. We've got the envelope. Yeah, the envelope. We've got the mailer instead. But it's still the same concept. It works. Can you take out? We'll take out like six, six. Go one at a time. So okay, cool. Just pick them out. I'll pick Hopefully, them they won't be the same ones that everyone else has picked out. Cool. Okay. Then I do. I read it out. Yeah, you read it out. Jeez, dyslexia. Here we go. If you had your own head but the body of an animal, what animal would you choose? That's a great question. That's an incredible question. Such a difficult one. Um, I was talking about this the other day. I know that I think my missus would choose a snake, and I know my mum would probably be a dolphin. What would I be? I would. I'd, quite honestly, I'd be a monkey because I, I want to still be kind of able to do the same things, but just have a little bit more agility. You know what I mean, <laughs> kind of like an improvement on my already quite impressive techers, you know, <laughs> or or a, or a, or a great white shark. Because <laughs> I'm petrified of them, and I thought right. you know can't beat them, join them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. It's a bag. What is the most exotic thing you can get? <laughs> no, we've had that before. No, I'll change it. I'll change it. Yeah. Thanks for really well, delving well, in there. No worries. 
what what's the one thing that would instantly improve your quality of life? Um, she's no Brexit. <laughs> no, no, um, what would instantly? Yeah, no, no Brexit. Yeah, yeah. What film have you watched more than any other? It, uh, it's a film called Agent Cody Banks <laughs> that, yeah, that, um, with the guy from um, Malcolm in Middle so um, it's tragic pretty much but I used to watch it all the time because I wanted to be a spy when I was younger <laughs> give you some tips and yeah yeah, yeah. I've got the only tip I've got is don't get caught <laughs> um, or yeah. Harry Potter actually Harry Potter is my yeah my uh, lifetime love alright what's your favourite possession Cool, had it already? No. Sure? Yeah, never. Um, my favourite possession. Um, I t- I've got loads, but recently I got bought some my manager, my best friend, um, a guy called Tomo. He, when I made the album Not Waving But Drowning, for Christmas he bought me um, a first edition of um, Stevie Smith's first poetry book. Um, and it was actually, I don't know how he found it, but he'd sent it to his cousin and she had rewritten the poems because there was mistakes in the book um, from a printing thing. And in her, like in pencil, she'd written a note saying, um, hey, there's a few mistakes, I've changed them and I've written a few extra poems in. So it's got her words written from her hand in the book. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And it's got Not Waving But Drowning in it as well, which is quite cool. Classic. Um, more? One more, one or two more, yeah, please. More. What's your biggest regret? Jeez. Um... So my biggest regret, my biggest regret is not um, talking. Kind of, it is not having is not having as much time to talk with my dad. Um, but not, I don't know that these are questions I all wish I could have asked after he was gone. But as I've grown, there's loads of questions I wish I could have asked him. Because um, there's mistakes that I'm making that he probably made also, mm-hmm. and it would have been great to not have to make them if I could have gone yo I want to do this thing what would be the right way to do it so yeah to, just to to have had more questions to ask my dad to know yeah. he was going you know uh, final question if you had to invite four people living or dead to your dream dinner party who would you choose that's a good question I'd invite my dad um, I would ask um, Malcolm X to come Eric Cantona <laughs> and Barack Obama good lineup. Quite male. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is gender? You know? <laughs> <laughs> to oh, me, nothing. <laughs> very good, okay. Laurel, thanks very much for joining us. Um, it's been an honour to talk to you. All, all that's left for me to do is to thank producer Sue for her hard work. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Sue. And to thank everyone for listening. Mm. And I just need to ask the listeners one big favour, and that is rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes. That would be very, very much appreciated. Five stars, please. As many stars as possible. A million stars. It's going to keep us going, keep us happy. Thanks for listening until the next time. Yes, excellent. Thank you you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Q presents the making of. Q presents the making of. (laughs) That's good.